VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we thank you for joining us on Crosstalk here on VCY America. As we begin today, we welcome brand new listeners to WVCW in Wilmington, Delaware, listening over 99.5 on the radio dial, reaching Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and New Jersey. 99.5, now the home of Christian Information Radio, coming from VCY America. We bring the message that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Welcome, WVCW 99.5, serving Wilmington and Philadelphia, surrounding areas. So good to have you with us here on the VCY American Network. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard the scenario unfold. First, we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote evil, then we celebrate evil, then we persecute those who still call it evil. Indeed, that persecution is happening of those who call evil for what it is. It's happening in a society that now calls evil good. Increasingly, we are seeing Christianity under attack. Our country was founded on Judeo-Christian values, values which are now under attack. So what does a Christian do in such times? Does one cower into a corner? Do we abandon these Christian duties and responsibilities? Or is there responsibilities that believers in Christ have in such hostile times? Joining us today, we welcome to Crosstalk Constitutional Attorney Matt Staver, the founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Uh, Matt has three landmark cases before the U.S. Supreme Court that he has uh, had victory in. He is the author, uh, an author of numerous books and the host of the radio broadcast Faith and Freedom and Freedom's Call. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's good to be with you. And congratulations to all of what you're doing at VCY. Oh, we're so grateful now to have new listeners over WVCW in the Wilmington, Delaware area. And again, friends, welcome uh, as we meet together afternoons at uh, 3 o'clock Eastern to Central Time for Crosstalk, covering a host of, of issues every day. And Matt, we've got several things lined up to talk about today. And before we get to our main focus of our discussion, we are seeing quite the upheaval right now in the House of Representatives this week. We're uh, the first time in our nation's history the position of speaker was vacated by a majority vote. Your comments on what's unfolding there? Yes, it's uh, certainly uh, a lot of activity taking place uh, with our office in Washington, D.C. We're certainly monitoring a lot of what's going on. And, of course, uh, interestingly, it only took eight, uh, Demo- eight Republicans because all of the Democrats joined together to vacate the Speaker of the House. And then eight Republicans joined, and that gave them the number of individuals necessary to vacate the chair. So you have 95% of the Republicans that are in the House or so uh, that did not go along with that, but eight Republicans joined uh, with all the Democrats. And so now, for the first time in history, you have a Speaker of the House that's removed. There's a couple of individuals that are putting their hat in the ring, and they will be meeting next Tuesday with a vote scheduled for next week Wednesday. Uh, Steve Scalise is one, Jim Jordan is another, and there's another one that just uh, put uh, the name forth. So there may be three options. And there's even uh, people now that are even considering nominating uh, President uh, Donald Trump to be Speaker, which uh, it might sound odd, but... Uh, interestingly, you don't need to be a member of the House to be the Speaker of the House. As, as odd of a rule that is, that's actually how the rule goes. You don't need to be a sitting member of the House to actually be the Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that one is going to go right. far, but uh, that name may also come up next week. Well, really a pivotal moment for the House of Representatives, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It very is. Especially, you know, for example, like we have been working to make sure that the House does not pass the so-called Equality Act, H.R. 15. All 212 Democrats have signed on to support that bill. It's the most radical LGBTQ and abortion bill ever to come through Congress. And it has all 212 Democrats in the House supporting it. All they need is six Republicans of the 222 Republicans in the U.S. House. They just need six to join them. 
and they could bypass whoever the speaker is and put it on the full floor. Speaker McCarthy did not put that on the floor to vote, uh, but they could bypass whoever's in the speaker's chair to put it on the floor, and obviously if they bypass the speaker with 218 votes, just six more votes, they not only can put it on the floor, but they'll have enough votes to no. pass it. It would then go over to the Senate, where the Democrats control the Senate. It has a higher probability of passing in the Senate, and then, of course, it would be signed. No. So uh, with all this turmoil and upheaval that's happening, this is a very volatile time in Washington, D.C., particularly in the U.S. House. Indeed, and uh, we likely will come back to visit the Equality Act a little bit later in our interview today. Matt, also on the Senate side, um, following the passing of Senator Dianne Feinstein, uh, we have the California Governor Gavin Newsom took little time before he announced his appointment of uh, LaFonza Butler to be the senator there. Uh, She really does not come with credentials that would mirror biblical values, does she? Oh, no. Uh, He picked her because she is uh, someone who was president of a very, you know, a radical Emily's List, which yeah. is uh, a group that tries to get individuals uh, elected office that are pro-abortion. Uh, and she also is um, a lesbian, and she's uh, LGBTQ, and she's a whole bunch of other things. And so he, it fits all of the different kinds of liberal, progressive, shocking, you know, anti, uh, you know, behaviors that that uh, Gavin Newsom wanted to check the box on. The problem, however, is she's not even a resident of California. Right. So there may be a challenge to that because California Constitution says to serve as a U.S. senator representing the state, you've got to be a registered voter in the state. It means you have to live there and you have to be a registered voter in the state. Well, she doesn't live there and she's not registered to vote. She actually is in Maryland. So that is really an oddity. So, you know, I guess she's going to rent an apartment in some California someplace, pay some, you know, a few hundred bucks a month or whatever it's going to cost her to rent, and then register in California. I mean, it's just a sham. But uh, you can see why Newsom did it. He did it because he wants to please all these radical agendas right. that he's pandering to. Constitutional Attorney Matt Staver with us today on Crosstalk. Matt, this week, the U.S. Supreme Court has started their new term. Uh, you were with us just a couple of weeks ago indicating you were going to be petitioning the court to take up the case of Kim Davis. And just for the sake of our newer listeners, who is Kim Davis and where do things stand right now with the U.S. Supreme Court? Well, we had two different things. We had uh, Sandra Merritt that was actually at the U.S. Supreme Court. We can talk about her in a few moments. Right. And we have Kim Davis. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a jury that came in, two juries sitting in the same courtroom, one for one set of plaintiffs, one for another set of plaintiffs, heard exactly the same testimony. One jury came back, the Yates jury for the Yates plaintiffs, and within 45 minutes said zero damages. They were asking for $300,000 damages, zero damages. The other jury came back a couple hours later. We'll call them the Ermold jury. Same exact evidence, and they came back with $100,000 damages, $50,000 for each one of the same-sex couples in the Ermold side of the case. So that case, uh, in the near future, we're going to be taking it up to the Court of Appeals. And from there, we believe that this is a great vehicle to go back to the United States Supreme Court for two things. Number one, to argue religious freedom under the First Amendment for all people. Kim Davis, we already have the accommodation in Kentucky, but they wanted to punish her personally with personal damages, and so that's really where we are with this. We want to extend religious freedom rights to everyone that faces these kinds of LGBTQ agendas that she faced in Kentucky in 2015 as the clerk. But also we want to ask the Supreme Court to overturn the 2015 Obergefell same-sex marriage opinion. It's very weak. Three of the justices that were then on the court are no longer there. That's Kennedy, and that's uh, Ginsburg and Breyer. They're no longer part of that, and they've been replaced. So this was a very shaky decision with no grounding in the Constitution. Three of the people in the majority are gone, so they only have two people still there that were part of that original uh, majority. Uh, And consequently, I think it's on shaky ground. So we're going to ask the Supreme Court to to, uh, to undo it, to overturn it. Man, Just like they did with Roe versus Wade. Yeah, momentarily we're going to talk about Sandra Merritt, but is it fair to say that Kim Davis was targeted because of her Christian values and beliefs? Absolutely. In fact, the Ermolds, the two Davids, David uh, Ermold and, and the other uh, David, that uh, saw her name and her on the social media back in 2015 when it was 
put on social media that she would not issue any licenses. She stopped issuing all licenses, no matter who it was, pending her request to be resolved for religious accommodation. So she asked for a religious accommodation from the governor. She asked it from the court. She wasn't going to issue any licenses because she couldn't put her name and title and authority on marriage that conflicts with God's design for marriage. So they were not planning to get married. They saw it on social media. So they went down to harass her, and they filmed it. And they were harassing her. She's soft-spoken. She did not harass back. She did not talk back. Uh, she did not uh, become belligerent. She was very calm. And then they took that, put it up on social media. And then it went viral. Then all of a sudden they looked like, oh, my goodness, you know, we're like, we've got this uh, five minutes of Internet fame. So they had never talked about getting married. So the sham that they created was, well, let's just go ahead and get a marriage license. So they went back to Kim Davis several more times demanding a marriage license, never intending originally to get a marriage license. They targeted her just because of her faith. They could have gone to any other person. Any other, There were seven other different area surrounding clerks they could have gone to that were issuing licenses. No, they wanted to go to Kim. Why? Because she expressed that she was a Christian. So they expressly targeted her, and they created this idea that they wanted to get married. They actually did a an interview in GQ magazine in 2015 saying, yeah, they had never even talked about getting married until they saw this on social media about Kim Davis. And then when their you know, social media went viral, they're kind of like pushed, pressured, uh, pushed forward to do it. And the ACLU and others, you know, were pushing forward to get representation. So they targeted her solely because of her Christian faith. But you know what? This, uh, woman, the soft-spoken woman who's been drastically, radically redeemed by the Lord four years before this, where she gave her life to Jesus, uh, this lady could be the one that actually takes down a Burgerfell. Hmm. Wow. Wonderful news uh, as far as those potentials and friends be praying uh, to this very end. Uh, and as we mentioned, uh, it is uh, a case that Liberty Council is going to be petitioning the appeals court could actually end up in the U.S. Supreme Court in that regard. Matt, we're just a minute before our break, but uh, there's another client we want to introduce to our listeners. We've talked about her before as well. Uh, you're representing Sandra Merritt, who, in my opinion, has been targeted for her Christian values and advocating for the Reborn and and exposing Planned Parenthood's aborted baby body parts. Um, some disappointing news, though, this week from the court uh, unfolded for us. What happened? Who she is? What happened? And and how the court uh, responded? Well, Sandra Merritt, going back to 2015 and actually going back into 2014, uh, she prayed to God about how He would use her. She got a call from a person she didn't know, David Delyden, right after she finished her prayer. And uh, they began to do investigation into Planned Parenthood, the harvesting of baby body parts. Uh, she, she and David did these interviews with Planned Parenthood executives and uh, abortion providers, and they found out this whole scheme of intentionally aborting babies, some of them alive, and then harvesting intact body parts and selling those body parts for sale. So she did those videos, and then Planned Parenthood filed suit. We'll talk about that after the break in terms of where we are with both of these cases, the civil and the criminal case. Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council and friends. A quick 60-second break. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk coming your way from the VCY American Network. Stay with us. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris... Why do scientific dating methods seem to indicate that the world has a vast age? Chris, in most dating efforts, you must observe a present-day process and the state of that system affected by that process. Then you conclude how long it would take for that process to produce the present state. The main assumption is that the rate of that process has never been much different than it is now. For instance, we might date the Mississippi Delta by estimating how long it would take for the Mississippi River to bring enough silt down to build up that huge delta. But if a great flood had occurred in the past, the rate of delta buildup might have been much different than today. If we include Noah's flood in our thinking, then most dating techniques actually give a date far too young to allow for evolution to occur. They're consistent with the biblical doctrine of the young earth, the one we read about back in Genesis. 
For more information, visit our website at icr.org. Tuned across talk on VCY America and friends again. We'd like to welcome brand new listeners today out of WVCW, Wilmington, Delaware, 99.5 on the radio dial. Good to have you with us today. Uh, we're talking with constitutional attorney Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. He has won three cases before the U.S. Supreme Court landmark decisions that have greatly impacted our nation. And uh, we're discussing right now one of the clients he has uh, by the name of Sandra Merritt, uh, targeted for her Christian values. Uh, she advocated for the preborn. She exposed Planned Parenthood and uh, the aborted baby part sales business. Uh, but uh, Matt was just unfolding the story for us as uh, as this uh, went up before the U.S. Supreme Court as well. And uh, Matt, go ahead and pick up where you left off here pertaining to Sandra Merritt. Uh, she was there. She was, ex- she was doing undercover journalism, wasn't wasn't she? She was. You know, and Sandra was not an activist. She was not involved in politics or activism. She's just a mother and a grandmother. And But she was um, talking to a friend, and she was just saying, you know, that she wanted to just be used by God. Uh, she talked to a friend. She said, well, you know, just pray for God to be able to use you, but uh, be prepared to respond when he when he when you make this prayer so she she was praying to the lord about how she could be used uh to further his you know glory and his kingdom and that's when she got this uh phone call from david Lydon. like i said she didn't know him and they talked and she began to do research uh they watched uh, an abc's 2020 documentary from 2010 Connie Chung was the host, and they had all the big-name reporters that did an investigation regarding an abortion doctor in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area. And in that documentary, they had hidden undercover cameras, and they met with this doctor over lunch, very similar to what Sandra and David eventually did. And they talked to him about what he was doing, and he was harvesting baby body parts, uh, and he was taking them from the babies, and he was then selling them for profit, and he was talking about how much money he would be able to make every month. So the documentary ended and said, you know, what they're doing is they're altering the abortion procedures, making it more risky for women during the abortion procedures so that they can actually harvest these body parts of the babies intact for profit. And they ended by saying, this is illegal, but nobody's doing anything about it. So that was one of the things that she investigated. She talked to people at the clinic. She talked to experts. She talked to an expert who was doing research on mice, and that expert said that, uh, in fact, what uh, she had been uh, confronted with is a baby's heart beating that came to the uh, research facility, a university research facility. And she said uh, it wasn't her research. It was someone else within her lab. She was doing research on mice, and she said uh, in order for that heart to be still beating like that, uh, the way it was in the box, that it had to have been extracted from a baby born alive and that they kept it beating so that it never would stop. Mm. And she said if we were to do something like that on mice, I would lose my ability to uh, do these experiments. Um, But they're doing this on humans, so this is part of the research. So she did this undercover video. It showed Dr. Nukatola, who during lunch was just bragging about how she would take a baby out feet first, uh, let the body still be in the womb up to the neck, but the rest of it out of the body. She would then crush below, crush above the thorax, and then extract intact hearts, kidneys, lungs, livers, and then take out the full brain once all that was done. So this would all be done while the baby, in some of those cases, were alive because they didn't want to inject any kind of poison or toxin into the body to kill the baby first because that would interfere with the research. So they were harvesting these baby body parts, and so they were selling them for profit to the the organ procurement companies were taking them and selling them for profit to these research facilities, and it was all paid by Dr. Fauci's National Institutes of Health. So this kind of thing happened in public places. It was totally legal what they were doing, and they released the videos. 
Well, the videos went viral, and consequently there were hearings in Washington, D.C., but then what happened is the now Vice President, Kamala Harris, she was the Attorney General, she began to go after them criminally. She was then tapped by Governor Newsom to become a senator when that position was vacated, and she became a U.S. senator. That position was filled by Xavier Becerra, who's now in the Biden administration's He's leading the Health and Human Services as secretary. He became the next attorney general, and he filed these criminal charges against David and Sandra. We're going to trial next month. But then Planned Parenthood in San Francisco, where the criminal trial uh, will be and the charges were filed, they filed a civil lawsuit. Well, they didn't have defamation because there was nothing false that Sandra said. She didn't say anything. She didn't make news uh, you know, appearances, and she wasn't out in the media. So there was nothing false. It was just Planned Parenthood's words. So they couldn't get defamation because there was nothing false. So they went after her and said, well, but because you misrepresented who you were, if we had known you were Sandra Merritt going to do this documentary, we wouldn't have spoken to you. And so consequently, uh, you should not have a First Amendment defense. Well, you know what? That's what James O'Keefe does. That's what PETA does. That's what many. Of, that's what ABC's 2020 does. That's what you know the uh, the uh, other sto- you know 60 Minutes. That's what they do. That's what investigative journalists do. That's what they've done for many years. Mm-hmm. And so the judge in the case, who uh, was involved in leasing property to uh, Planned Parenthood, would not recuse himself. He ended up instructing the jury to go a certain direction, and they ended up awarding damages. So $2 million of damages to Planned Parenthood, and get this, $14 million in attorney's fees. Oh, my. Astronomical. Yes. And so there's a $16 million judgment. We took the case all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court inexplicably on Monday issued orders uh, and denied review of the case. So that case, uh, you know, should have gotten the attention of the Supreme Court, should have been taken up by the high court, but they didn't. But what do we do now? So obviously we have the criminal trial coming up next uh, month, November the 3rd. But, but in the meantime, while this case was pending at the U.S. Supreme Court, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that also hears the case of Sandra Merritt uh, struck down a recording statute in Washington State. And uh, we are now filing, within the next 24 hours, a motion in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So the case may not be over yet. So stay tuned, Mm. uh, because we're going to continue to fight for justice in this case. It's far beyond just the subject matter of abortion. Uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, they filed an amicus brief in the Ninth Circuit and at the U.S. Supreme Court, asking the High Court to take the case. Not because they like Sandra, not because they would cover the subject matter, but because they do the same thing. They do undercover investigations regarding animal abuse. So if this holds regarding Sandra and David, it also holds regarding ABC, you know, 60 Minutes, PETA, everybody else, every other investigative journalist who states the truth, and that's the key. They're not defaming. They're not lying. They're not misrepresenting facts. They just simply let the investigative target that they're investigating speak for themselves. They're not misrepresenting it. They're not falsely editing videos. Mm -hmm. It's just their words. So there's no defamation. Mm -hmm. But if they can be sued into silence, the implications for journalism and First Amendment is significant. Matt Saver with us today from Liberty Council and friends. Again, something you need to be praying about in regard to the Sandra Merritt case. Be praying for wisdom for Liberty Council as they advance this case and uh, file the documents upcoming and uh, go to the criminal uh, trial here next month. Uh, by the way, uh, let me just mention if, if uh, there are issues that you're battling as well, First Amendment uh, religious liberty uh, issues, constitutional amendment issues, uh, you can reach out to Liberty Council, lc.org, lc.org. Their phone number, 407-875-1776, uh, 407-875-1776. 
Matt, I'm going to turn the page to another story here today, and it's a very disturbing story out of Texas. Uh, we understand there's a court battle over a decision to ban drag shows at West Texas A&M University. The U.S. District Judge Matthew Kaczmarek uh, ruled that the ban was put in place, uh, that it could remain in effect amidst the legal challenge going on. Uh, the judge saying drag shows contain sexualized, expressive conduct that is not protected under the First Amendment. But there is a homosexual rights group in Lubbock, Texas, that is pushing back. This is a group called Lubbock Pride and says the judge is a Christian, uh, in essence, and uh, we're saying, in essence, he's a Christian, and therefore, his beliefs make it impossible for him to be fair and impartial. I'd like to quote uh, from their release saying, We cannot stand idly by and allow the religious beliefs or personal opinions of a judge, a legislator, or any person in the position of power to infringe on the right or on the civil liberties or human rights of an entire community of people. Uh, judges are supposed to set any personal beliefs and opinions aside and rule on cases with impartiality and fairness. From this decision, it is fairly clear that this was not the case. Your response to what's going on here? Well, obviously they haven't read the Constitution because the Constitution says that there is no religious test. Uh, so you can't have a religious test to run for Congress, to run for U.S. Senator or U.S. House or be President of the United States. And certainly the same thing is also true of a judge. So if they're going to disqualify a judge from a case because he's a Christian, then they would disqualify all Christians from being judges. And if you go that route, disqualify all Christians from being elected members of the state or federal you know, legislature. Uh, it just makes no sense. Uh, this is a ludicrous. It's unconstitutional what they even suggest. Obviously, everybody has different personal values. Uh, the problem is, is that they think that just because uh, you're a Christian, you're not going to follow the law. Uh, just because you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that you have Judeo-Christian values, that you're not going to follow the law. Look, there's what we've always advocated is Take it in this context here. Somebody is a buyer, somebody's a seller, and they create a contract, and they wrestle over the words about the timing and the amount and the criteria and the condition for buying and selling. Now, you may have different views on that particular house, whether it's good or bad. You may like that particular neighborhood or you don't. As, uh, as a judge, you're reviewing this. It doesn't really matter what your views are on that. What matters is what does that document say? And then you need to enforce the document according to what it says. And what matters here is the same thing. Judges can be impartial. The problem is is when judges impose their own views. And just because you're a Christian doesn't make you disqualified. Uh, show some specific reasons or evidences, and they don't have anything. They just say, well, he's a Christian. He ought to be disqualified. No, show me something very specific. Obviously, you can review the language of the Constitution and also the facts of this case uh, and make a decision. And so that's what this judge is doing. They don't like the result, uh, but you know what? Their remedy is very, very drastic and would affect everybody. Indeed, it will affect everybody and friends. Again, just a classic example of how Christianity is being targeted in this regard, saying, well, the the judge, you know, because of his being a Christian, really is not uh, entitled to his his uh, his decision on this this court, uh, that uh, because he is a Christian, that uh, he is biased in that nature. Uh, could we say just the opposite is true of them as well? We're going to take a quick break and uh, come back, friends, because there's much more to share on this topic. And what is the Christian responsibility in hostile times, in times in which we live? Back in one minute, you're listening to Crosstalk. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans is a powerful epistle, proclaiming the glory of Christ, teaching sound doctrine, and giving believers boldness. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Read by Brad Canterbury, VCY America is offering an audio CD of a complete reading of the book of Romans, telling of God's amazing love. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This audio recording also reveals God's amazing gift to mankind. For the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Good for yourself or to share with others. Paul's Letter to the Romans on CD. Available for a donation of $9 from VCY America. Call 1-800-729-9829. Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, and glad to have new listeners with us today from WVCW, Wilmington, Delaware. Also uh, reaching into Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey, 99.5 on the dial. Uh, Constitutional Attorney Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council, their website, lc.org, lc.org. And certainly we're seeing the uh, the increase in hostility toward Christian values and beliefs, giving several examples of what's going on today, such as with Kim Davis, such as with Sandra Merritt, uh, such as with uh, against a judge uh, who is allowing a ban on drag shows to continue at A&M University, uh, despite the fact that the Lubbock Pride Group is is in his face, basically, in, in opposition, saying he's no way he can be fair or impartial. Uh, I also want to bring to your attention, uh, just this morning, uh, Todd Starnes had a story pertaining to what some refer to as uh, October being LGBT History Month. They already had a Pride Month, but evidently another month is needed for History Month for LGBT. Uh, it's reported that the North Dakota State Representative Brandon Pritchard came up with a suggestion. And he said that Gay History Month should also include a lesson about what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, evidently, Matt, this has uh, angered uh, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. They're demanding that the representative either apologize or resign. And they accuse him of being anti-gay and stated in their open letter, and I quote, As a state representative, your duty is to support the state and federal constitutions and to protect the rights of conscience of your constituents, not to promote your personal religious views, much less a Christian theocracy. Your oath of office has charged you with great responsibility over citizens, including those citizens who may not or do not share your personal religious viewpoints. You have shown that you are unfit for this responsibility. How do you respond to the Freedom From Religion Foundation, Matt? Well, you know, the Freedom From Religion Foundation is an atheist organization, but it's a very radical atheist organization because it really says it all in its name, freedom from religion. They want no religion. They don't want anybody to have any religious freedom. Uh, you know, they they lost big time at the um, high court uh, last uh, year, um, and, you know, th- th- they were supporting this uh, Kennedy, uh, you know, Coach Kennedy case, they were supporting the school. Uh, they took the position essentially that, you know, yeah, you can kneel down on the field and those that, you know, supported the Freedom from Religion Foundation kind of idea, you can kneel down on the field, you can think secular thoughts, private secular thoughts, you can even kneel down and your kneeling could be designed to protest the national anthem. That's fine. But if you kneel down and you think private thoughts, not even talking about verbal, but if the purpose of your kneeling down on the football field after the game is to pray silently, then that ought to be banned. So that's how radical they are. So I really mm-hmm. don't have much uh, weight that I put on the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Typically, when they send out their demand letters, they're wrong. They ignore clear court precedent. So, uh, you know, here it is again, just their radical, uh, again, cleansing anybody, just like what we it's on the same category of what we just said before. If you're Christian, if you're particularly Christian, but uh, in this case, uh, for the judge before or this case, they have the same thing in common. You have no place in the public square. You have no place in the marketplace, either as a private individual to speak or to have expression or as an elected official or, an, or as a judge. That's not America, and it's not part of our constitutional history. So, Matt, I'd like to go back to something you said in the very opening minutes of our program here today. You brought up the Equality Act, H.R. 15. And one of the things we want to point out, because it, it fits hand in glove with this topic here today, in which we are seeing this the hostile times, the targeting of Christianity, and one of the, the aspects of the so-called Equality Act 
is that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act does not apply. It says so right in the Equality Act that that we're not going to allow. And and by the way, the free exercise of religion we do find in the Constitution of the United States in the the First Amendment. But they're saying we're not going to allow that First Amendment to apply to this act in this regard. This, again, another example of targeting. Shows shows how radical this Equality Act is. And that's why I say it's the most radical piece of legislation to ever come from the Congress, and it's pending right now in the U.S. House with 212 Democrats all supporting it, and they only need six Republicans to, of the 222 Republicans to come on board, and they can pass it. They can bypass whoever's going to be the Speaker and put it on the floor and pass it and send it to the Senate, from the Senate to the desk of Joe Biden. Um, but it repeals the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. Let's go back to just kind of compare then and now. Uh, Bill Clinton was president back then. And you had a unanimous House, U.S. House, uh, that passed this. I think it passed uh, uh, 98 to 2 in, in the U.S. Senate. There's 100 senators. Uh, but it only had like two dissenters out of both the House and the Senate. And it was supported by the ACLU. It was supported by Liberty Council. It was supported by all the different groups out there, no matter what political perspective you are. Everybody supported it. And Bill Clinton signed it into law. It's been the law since 1993. This particular bill is so radical. It moves from that, 1993, to 2023 to repeal it. They want to repeal it so that you don't have any religion as a defense. So that, for example, if uh, they say to a doctor who's a a plastic surgeon that you've got to amputate uh, a 15-year-old's healthy breast, uh, or other genitalia, that if you don't do that, you're going to be punished. Well, I, I don't want to do it because I don't think it's sound medical. I don't want to do it because I have religious convictions contrary. No, you're going to have to do it. You'll be punished. Um, if you say, well, I don't want to get puberty blockers to a 13-year-old girl because of what it'll do to their body. It stunts their growth and their development and their brains and their bones and their organs and so forth, let alone the fact that you can't change your sex. I mean, you are what you are. Uh, I don't want to do it. No, the Equality Act will force you to do it. The Equality Act will regulate everything. Uh, I'm talking about even the home shopper, you know, the home private uh, eBay seller, if you will. What you put on eBay, it's going to regulate you in your home. If you do that just ad hoc or periodically put your uh, wares on eBay or on some online program. It's going to regulate everything. So this will be this will force people to use false pronouns. It will force schools to hide uh, the idea that uh, at school Mary is Mark, but at home Mary is Mary, mm-hmm. and not let the parents know. I mean, we've had there's a lawsuit that recently resolved out in California where or out west, where they uh, actually were hiding from the family what they were doing to the child, and they were grooming the child at school and then lying to the parents about what was happening. The Equality Act would be involved in saying, no, that's exactly what you've got to do. You've got to lie to the parents. You've got to keep that confidential from the parents. Uh, you know, there's another case that just came out that said, uh, just recently a judge ruled uh, in Wisconsin, uh, I think it was Wisconsin. It was uh, recently. Yes, the school. Uh, a judge. Yeah, it was a Wisconsin school. Mm-hmm. It's near you, in fact, um, where they were lying to the parents about calling the child by a false pronoun. And uh, the judge said, you can't do that. This is not uh, a par- this, this is a medical issue. You, you can't withhold this kind of information from the parents. Uh, so this kind of thing would just be writ large. But the fact that it's repealing, or it would repeal if passed, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and not allow you to use it as a, as a defense or a claim yeah. is radical itself. It really is. And, Matt, that brings us even to the larger point. And we are just uh, have four minutes before the break, and uh, so let's tackle this issue because we are seeing times really becoming increasingly hostile toward Christianity. And we've seen several examples through our interview today. Does a believer in Jesus Christ need to surrender his or her beliefs in order to serve in a governmental capacity or to share opinion or be a judge and sit on the bench? Uh, what, you know, is there no compatibility there? 
Well, if you did that, we would not have any uh, of the founders uh, that would be there. I mean, you even have Nancy Pelosi saying that she's uh, Catholic. Obviously, uh, for someone who would be a practicing Catholic, she acts contrary to Catholic teachings on the sanctity of human life. But she professes that she's uh, Roman Catholic. Are you going to now... Uh, remove her because she professes to be Roman Catholic, even though she's not acting like a Roman Catholic, if you will, in her policies. And so where do you go with this? I mean, the, the whole thing would be absolutely ludicrous. So what you would actually do is you would say, if you have any belief in God, you wouldn't be able to serve. So what would that establish? That wouldn't establish, that That would not only eliminate anybody who believes in God, no matter what you know kind of belief you have, but what it would establish is a, a belief in atheism. It would establish the religion of secular humanism, or atheism, if you will. So, I mean, it's just absurd. But there are people who believe that. There are people who are thinking and acting and operating. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be a baker. You shouldn't be a florist. You shouldn't be um, a photographer, a wedding photographer, because they're going to force you to participate in something that is contrary to your will. Mm -hmm. If you're a clerk, you've got to participate in something that's contrary to your will, like Kim Davis. Uh, if you're a doctor, you've got to violate your religious beliefs. All of that is under attack right now. Fortunately, this year, the United States Supreme Court rejected that idea in the 303 creative case. In the 303 creative case, the Supreme Court said that the state of Colorado cannot force a website designer who wants to create websites for marriage to create a website that would be contrary to the religious values with regards to same-sex marriage. And that makes sense because would you want to force somebody who's African-American or no matter what race they are, would you want to force them to create a website design, a special website or album or a picture album that promotes the KKK? No, you wouldn't want to do that. You want to respect their conscience. So these ideas that people are pushing, and it's out there, and it's in every different level, of removing Christians from the public square, that's the battle that we're in right now. We've been able to win many of these cases, yeah. uh, but that doesn't stop them from continuing to come forth. And Matt, here we have 90 seconds before the break. What is the role for believers in government today? What is a believer's responsibilities in such times? Well, I believe a believer's responsibility is to pray for our elected officials, and I believe if God calls you to run for office, whatever level it might be, to pray about that, get counsel about it, and then do it. Um, you know, I was just at a prayer breakfast uh, yesterday where I spoke to a uh, prayer breakfast. The pastor of the church is now the mayor of the local town because they got tired of all what was going on in the schools and in some of the other places uh, in their community with all of the indoctrination that was happening to the kids and so much of the nonsense that was taking place and the bad spending policies that they decided, you know what, he's going to run for office. And now he's the mayor of his uh, town in which the church is located. So uh, there's a lot of people, I think, that are getting convicted that instead of just telling somebody that they needed to do something right or complaining about it, you know what, let's be part of the solution as well. Yes, indeed. Friends, we're going to open our phone lines and take your calls or brief comments here for Matt Stave or our phone number to Crosstalk, 800-733-9829. Our call-in number, 800-733-9829. Yes, Christians do have responsibility in hostile times. We see the targeting of Christianity that is going on, and uh, friends, it is time for us to certainly speak up, not to cower, uh, but to uh, take a strong stand, to be salt, to be light in this time in which we live. Our number, 800-733-9829, back in one minute, here on Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Recently, Tucker Carlson gave a speech, and he declared... We're in a spiritual battle. Have you ever heard so many people within mainstream media and culture talking about a spiritual war or saying, this sounds like something from the Bible, from the book of Revelation? Well, indeed, we are involved in a spiritual battle, but 
how do we conduct that spiritual battle? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 tells us, it's not by railing at demons, shouting at Satan, it's by proclaiming truth. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, we are to cast down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the truth of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Real spiritual warfare is setting people free from Satan's lies. It's the battle for the heart and mind with biblical truth. Matt Staver is with us today from Liberty Council. Our call-in number is 800-733-9829. 1-800-733-9829. Taking your questions for Matt Saver today or brief comments, 800-733-9829. We're going to begin in Pensacola, Florida, and we have Julie calling. Hi, Julie, you're on the air. Hi, thank you. I just want to ask him about the when the, when the abortions are taking place and they extract the body parts, are they extracting the organs only? Or are they taking legs and arms or whatever? I don't know, but what are they doing with these body parts? I'm sure they're not donating it for another baby who needs a heart. Yeah, this is going to the Sandra Merritt case, Matt. The body parts to university research labs that are receiving federal funding from the National Institutes of Health. At least that's what was happening at the time of this case. I'm sure that thing is still going on. That's where they're getting their research money, or part of it comes from the NIH. And so uh, they are selling baby body parts. Uh, They're not selling arms or legs, per se. Uh, Those are just discarded. However, what they would sell from that is the bone marrow. So they're getting bone marrow. They're getting intact hearts, intact kidneys, uh, lungs, liver, all the different body parts, and they're taking those and they're doing uh, research on them. And one of the researches that they were doing was uh, male baldness, male pattern baldness, believe it or not, as to whether or not some of these baby body parts could be used to help male pattern baldness. And they were also extracting intact brains. So how do you do that? Uh, You know, in order to get these body parts extracted in part, they can't be ripping and tearing the baby out, as gruesome as that is. So what they try to do is take the baby out intact. But they can't dissect the baby intact outside of the body because that would be infanticide. So what some of them were doing were they were breech breech birthing these babies, keeping the head inside so that it was still, quote, unquote, an abortion, but the rest of the body's out. And then while the torso on out to the feet or out of the body of the woman, but the head's still in, that's when they start to uh, cut the baby up and remove the body parts. And then when the baby was completely dead, they would remove the head and extract the full brain. And the more intact the body parts, the higher the price. Some of these body parts were sold for up to $17,000 a piece. Thank you for the call. Very gruesome indeed. And uh, Sandra Merritt, be praying for her as this case advances. Uh, we've got uh, from Florida, let's go to Whitewater, Wisconsin. Jerry, you're on the air. Yeah, when is this H.R. 15 bill uh, going to be come to uh, be signed? Or... It'll be, be voted on, Matt? Uh... Be voted on. There is no scheduled vote yet right now because the, the Speaker of the House up until just this week um, McCarthy would not put it out on the House floor for vote. Um, So that's why the Democrats, uh, they all joined together, 212, and they're looking for six more votes. If they get six more votes, they can bypass the Speaker. The Speaker controls what's uh, voted. It controls the floor. So if the Speaker doesn't put something out on the floor, the only way to get it out on the floor is by what's called a discharge petition. In order to do that, you have to have a certain number in the House, and that number is 218. They have 212 votes right now. So they're looking for six more votes, and if they get six more votes, that's when it will be voted on. Uh, So that's how close they are. We don't have a date that it's going to be voted on, uh, and right now Republicans uh, were not breaking ranks. However, there's a Republican in 2019 who voted for the same identical bill that did pass in the House but got stopped in the U.S. Senate. because of the filibuster. So, Matt, it's really imperative for people, even at this time, to reach out to their U.S. congressmen. 
Absolutely. It's very imperative because there's 222 potential votes in the Republican uh, House, and all they need is six of those. Hmm. Six. And we can point easily to four who are easy targets. Right. And there's more than that as well. But there's clearly four. And why I say four? Because of their past votes, uh, especially uh, uh, two of them on this very same identical bill in a previous iteration. And friends, you can reach Capitol Hill Switchboard 202-224-3121, 202-224-3121. Just ask for your Congressman Jerry. Thank you for the call. Let's go next to Mary. Hi, Mary. You're on the air. Yes, this abortion stuff just sickens me. I used to support it, and it really makes me angry that it came back around the date of my sobriety that Jesus set me free of weed and being high. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to, I feel bad. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. And it's not my fault. I know my Christian friends have tried to comfort me, but it really sickens me. I, I hate abortion now, and the abortionists are not my friends. How can anybody take the life of a preborn baby? Yeah. How could I have been so evil? God bless you all. I did repent, but it's you know, um, you know. Thank you for calling. Um, if you look at the Apostle Paul, uh, Paul before he became a Christian, before he encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he tried to kill Christians. He tried to kill them. That was, and he jailed them. Doesn't matter whether you're a man, woman, or child. He put you in jail. And he wanted you dead. But he had this dramatic encounter with Jesus Christ, and that changed his life forever. And that's what Jesus does, and it sounds like that's what he has done for you. But look, don't continue to condemn yourself. Jesus already paid the penalty for your sin, and you are set free. And he looks at you in the purity of Jesus Christ, because his, his grace and his life and his sacrifice covers everything when you give it over to him. So don't carry that guilt anymore. Indeed, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and Mary to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you can claim that, First John chapter 1, verse 9. Thank you, Mary, for calling. And, uh, Matt, we've run out of time for, for calls here today, but uh, certainly uh, these are important issues that, that we are facing. And, and as we come back to looking at the attacks uh, in such times against believers in Christ, we do have responsibilities. And part of the problem is we have been silent for too long. Absolutely. We have been silent for too long, and so we just need—it just takes one person. One person mm-hmm. just willing to make a difference, and it can change world history. Amen. Amen. Matt Staver from Liberty Council, their website, lc.org, lc.org. You can reach out to them at 407-875-1776. Matt, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Jim. My pleasure to be with you. And friends, please keep Liberty Council in your prayers. Many, many uh, issues that are on their plate right now. Be praying for them as they represent Kim Davis. Uh, Be praying for them as they represent Sandra Merritt. Be praying for them as they've got many, many other cases in the hopper here as well. But uh, certainly we see Christianity under attack. But we have responsibility in such hostile times. Let's be salt. Let's be light. God bless you, folks. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.